Back to Old School with DP and J on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Thank you guys for hanging out on a Friday. 30 minutes left. And from the Sutter Hammer text line, Jay. Yo. You need to show your buffalo love and jump off something onto a table. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great, cause I would, but I wouldn't be getting up afterwards. <laughs> no. If they won the Super Bowl, I would. I would put Nick on the on the table and not jump off of that bad boy. Whew. 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 I'm in. What do we need to do? See, like, they jump off tables and stuff now. When I was there, they'd just be fighting. They used to just fight. Like, when the Raiders came out there, I mean, it was like the game was five hours because there were just so many fights up there. We were during TV time. I was watching. And then they would set they would set the tables on fire. Yeah. They do all types of stuff. What 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 is they, your favorite Buffalo memory? What is that? What's your favorite one? Of playing for the Bills? Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed my time at Buffalo. I loved it up there. Um, loved the people. Obviously, I loved the you know the you know the organization. Favorite? I don't know. I mean, there was a ton of them. I mean, playing the Dolphins and the Jets were always great because it was you know those are real deal games. So, Dolphin games when we beat them, um, especially like you know when I first got there, my first couple of years when we had you know we had Bruce Andre. You know, Thurman, you know, has some pretty good players. Not pretty good. We had a Hall of Fame player, so it was really, really good to kind of, you know, see them play and be a part of the success of the team there. So, I mean, we had some big victories. Um, It was just everything about Buffalo. I mean, it was the only thing we could do was just hang out and kick it. And I mean, one of my fondest memories is all the guys that were single at the time, that was when they had all <laughs> they had Like Buffalo, here's what people don't say. When I was there, there was like, I guess if you ever went on a date, you know, they didn't have any, or at least I couldn't afford to go to any of these, like, fancy restaurants that, like, Bruce and those guys would go up, like, Niagara Falls. So our things were, like, you would go to TGI Fridays or, like, Red Lobster, right? So back then, this is when they had all-you-could-eat crab legs on Mondays. So all the, you know, the guys after we get our, you know, you get paid on Monday, and then we go, hey, we was hitting it. We, I mean, literally – be in there from six to whenever Monday night football would be over, having a good old time. It was it was camaraderie. So that was one of my fondest memories because, you know, he's got lifelong friends from there. So it's I mean, it's all those times in Buffalo is great. We used to go so hung out with a couple of different teams and one of those Chargers. And so the two things that happened on the day 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 after. So Monday you go the Monday night football spot, you go to the the Red Onion in, in La Jolla. Okay. And then we fly, you know, we fly down to Tijuana, and you hit every bar. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's every yeah. bar, and we all it was all fun and games until I don't know if you remember Ed White. Ed White played guard yeah. for the Vikings. Yeah, played for your dad. Play with yeah, your, play with your dad. dad right? yeah. Play with your dad. Um, so Ed White was the line coach at the time, and Ed had this this house full of snakes. He had pet snakes. Yeah. And we went to Tijuana the night before, and everybody, you know, carried one on. And then the next morning, we went to Ed White's house. Well, I didn't know that. You had snakes? No, I, I okay. didn't know. I Look, man, Jay, I, I, I resorted to, like, six-year-old me. I curled up in a knot and was afraid. 
<laughs> yeah, I think, well, people that have, the people that like reptiles, they're just a different breed. I you know I don't know if you know uh, Chad Brown. I think he might even like oh, yeah, breed them. Store, yeah, yeah, breed them and sell them as a business. And he was really into it. And some people are just always been into it. So yeah, I mean I know Ed uh, fairly well. He's a he's an artist now, mm -hmm. and um, and so you know a lot of those guys that played with my dad are always pretty tight. But yeah, it's a uh, I mean, you know, back to Buffalo, it was uh, – I always say Buffalo was a great transition for me to go from Lincoln to an NFL team because it wasn't obviously like Atlanta or New York, so you can kind of stay focused. Plus, it was a great organization, um, you know, um, and then we had good veteran leadership. You know, we I mean, we had a ton of good times. I mean, we went out and had fun, but we always – you know, you talk about leadership and culture and buying in and whatever – you know, we had <clears throat> we had big personalities, whether it was our star players or just big personalities that were on the team who essentially policed the locker room. And that's why, we, you know, when Wade was there, it was such a good mix because um, the older guys knew and the veterans like Bruce and those guys, they came to work, got the – I mean, you know, you, you, you know when Bruce played in Washington, he'd come in, get his work, worked extremely hard. The expectations were higher, um, no matter if you were a rookie in the, in the huddle or you were a veteran or starter. And then, you know, when it was time to, you know, hang out at a big tree, it wasn't even about going out and chasing. It was more or less just hanging out, you know, drinking a couple of beers, making sure everybody gets home, buffalo wings, and just, you know, just to sit around with Bruce and Jim Kelly was still it was around at that time, obviously, you know, with Ted Washington and just hear the stories, just hear him talk about different guys and how to play against different guys. Could you guys have won in the playoffs with Doug Flutie? We would have won. We would have won that. I, 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 I should have, could have, would have. But we were losing that whole game. Then finally they put Doug Flutie in there, I think, or Javon Curse knocked Rob Johnson out, mm -hmm. and he took us down and scored. They could not handle Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie had won 10 games that year mm -hmm. out of the 11. And Rob won the kind of Peyton Manning didn't play against, you know, it was just kind of, I mean, I you know, I wasn't a full-time starter, and I even got in on defense. And then, you know, Rob was making $5 million a year, and, you know, the owners, you know, it was like all the deep pass and all that. And, and, and our offense wasn't as explosive as it was the year before, but it still was good enough to win 10 games, you know, with Flutie. And, um, you know, we weren't running the ball as efficiently as we did the year before, but we still were winning. I mean, Eric Moles was ascending. We had, still had Thurman Thomas. We were working in Peerless Price. We had Kevin Williams as a – you know, we talk about a kick you returner. Had, didn't you – you had Kenny behind Thurman. No, that was the Kenny Davis was, Kenny was he, he was gone. He was but gone. we had we had, well here's we had like we had Antoine Smith who ended up going to the Patriots and winning the Super Bowl, who was a big, strong running back from the University of Houston first round pick. Then you had Thurman, then we had Jonathan Linton, um, and then we had Sam Gash at fullback, and then we had you know different guys at tight end. So we had some good players at every single position, um, but you know like we just you know weren't as you know the offense was really explosive as the year before, which was when Flutie really was taking off and dominated the league. People were ready for him, but we still won 10 games um, where it was relatively pretty healthy, um, you know, considering, you know, going through a you know 16-game season. And, um, you know, we had good special special teams. You know, Kevin Williams was a Pro Bowl returner who obviously was a really good, re you know, dominant returner with the Dallas Cowboys. So it was just one of those things that, uh, you know, higher up, the, the, well, the guy, the man, you know, Ralph Wilson, um, you know, made the decision, I think it hurt us. And it's not taking anything away from Rob Johnson. I just felt like Doug Flutie at that time, especially going against Tennessee Titans 
on the road, it was tailor made for Doug Flutie to win that game. Yeah, it, it was always. I was curious because he went through it with the with, with the Bears, Bears, right, and then he bounced around, and of course that thing kept happening. But I thought the Buffalo situation was best for him. It was, and and what happened? Well, first of all, you, if you go back, Buffalo traded for Rob Johnson after he played one game on Thursday Night Football, stepping in for Mark Brunell, and he threw for again. Some, you know, went deep. You know, the, what people don't understand is they don't have any tape on you. You can really put up some numbers. And so Buffalo needed a quarterback because I think Todd Collins got hurt. Mm-hmm. They traded for Rob, paid him at that time a huge contract, five years, $25 million or five. You know, that's yeah. a lot of You know, yeah. that's a ton of money for a quarterback back then, especially for playing one game. And Doug Flutie kind of came in as just like a throw-in. He had dominated up in Canada and won great cups with Toronto and, and – um, Calgary or Calgary then Toronto and kind of wanted to you know try his hat again you know because you know Toronto and Buffalo is like an hour and a half did you ever think about going up to Canada like what well, I was you know I mean after I got yeah. in the NFL yeah um yeah I thought about it I kind of wish I would have done it but I was just too scared with my neck and, and back so I mean it would I would have probably like you're 220 20 30 pounds you're playing defensive end which would have probably been fun because you know you're only there's no off season program. You kind of you know go up there, <laughs> do up. your thing, and leave. <laughs> and you know you kind of on the team if you're American because they only can have certain amount of certain number of American players on the team or on the roster. So I thought about it or you know so forth and so on. But you know back to Flutie, it's such a close proximity, and he was so dominant that the news was trickling. And we have a ton of Buffalo Bills fans that come down for the game from Canada. So he came in and took the league by storm, and so there you go. You got a quarterback that's the you know leading your team. And and here's the thing about Doug Flutie, he just had that um, it and ability to lead because even if he wasn't on, he wasn't going to lose you the game, and you knew eventually he was going to get it going. And um, that's how we won. Team, we gutted out some wins. We dominated some. We looked horrible, and then, then he got it going. And guys always believed in him because he would make the plays that, that were necessary to win, um, you know, obviously in the NFL. And he did it also when he went out to San Diego. He's a great mentor to Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees would probably tell you that he had a big influence. And Doug Flutie taught him how to play the position or helped him learn how to play the position. Then he goes into New England. And he does a little bit of everything. You know, he did the field goal drop kick. Or, yeah, I you mean, know, break it would, out. Hey, let me tell you something. Break it out. Let me tell you something. Doug Flutie – is a phenomenal athlete even to this day. But homeboy could hoop. We we'd have a we had a basketball court, a half court in the stadium. Mm-hmm. So guys would go in there and and then you had a basketball court and then you had a racquetball court as well. So guys would you know do different stuff in the off season. So you play like you know some, you know, 21 with Doug. Yeah, he can get down on the basketball court. For real. 5 foot nothing. And and we you know what the funniest story about Doug Flutie is and I remember it was I was getting I didn't get my first start, but it was a game I knew I was going to play, and I played a little bit the week before, and I was primarily on you know on the first part of my rookie year I was on special teams, and you know obviously he was the fan favorite. He was a quarterback, but he was obviously a really good player. So as you walk into Buffalo, you're walking kind of like you know down the tunnel, and I'm walking next to Doug Flutie, and so you know you got you know back then we had like CD players or MP3 yeah. players, so yeah. I just probably just downloaded a whole bunch of stuff off of Napster or something. Right. But I had a couple CDs, so I had my headphones on. 
And then for whatever reason, I just kind of took them up because you had to go through like so-called security where they just, you know, make sure you had your bracelet. And uh, Doug's right next to me and they were just going bananas, you know, had this fluty flakes and all, you know, just yelling his name. So I'm walking next to him. And then as you get past the the noise, you get into the tunnel and it kind of goes like blank. You know what I mean? Because of the way it's situated, you can't hear it. He taps me on like on the shoulder. He's like, he's like, if you if you keep your head on straight and play well, they'll they'll call your name one day. You know, I mean, he just it was like kind of like right. You know, if, you know, if you do do well, do well, or you know, you call you know, and 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 it was a cool story because it wasn't like he was like he wasn't arrogant, but he was just like very like humble to the fact he was like, dude, you put in work. He's like these fans that love you. You know, again, you got to think where he came from. You got to think he started out in New England, went to Chicago, or Chicago, New England. Mike Dicka said he was too small, kind of like got shamed out of the league because he is, you know, he is small. And then, um, you know, everybody talks about Russell Wilson um, and Michael Vick setting it up for Kyler Murray. It was Doug Flutie was the first small quarterback that kind of took the league by storm. And it took like the whole spread them out. Shotgun type well, of offense. There, there was a dude before Doug, a tiny dude from uh, before Doug, who who you might be familiar with. I know Fran Tarkin. Yeah, man. But I'm talking about in recent yeah, history, yeah. in recent kind of big, big, big time NFL sports. Doug Flutie has uh, opened the pathways for a ton of uh, quarterbacks that are small in stature and big in playmaking ability. I, I'm I'm a huge Doug Flutie fan. Yeah, he was he was he was a great teammate. Um. Fun. To, I mean, he he threw a pass one time. I remember it was my rookie mini camp, and so you're you know I'm coming you know coming out of coverage, and I was secondary blitz, and he and I and I was coming at him, you know, and he was going, and I'm like you know, and I wasn't going to hit him, but I wanted to show like on tape when they watched, and I'm closing in on him. Well, he had saw at the quarter of his eye that Jay Remersma, who was our tight end, kind of did a you know he blocked and knew that Doug was on the run, kind of just knew right where he was. Doug just. Kept running, threw it right there, got it and go. And I was like, I just got taught a lesson. The homeboys ain't never out of a play. Him and Thurman Thomas, it was, it was. I was, I've been very, I was very fortunate to go there and have my locker in between Thurman and Bruce. One, because I was always in the middle of their conversations, you know, because they would always be talking around me or through right, me. Right. But Thurman was really good because, um, you know, he knew how to take care of his body. But there was one time uh, in training camp, in when we they would go no backs, and he would get split out, and it was like ten out of ten. The first ten times they never threw to him, and he always threw, or he always just kind of you know out there, and you don't you know he just ran a hitch. So I would backpedal, and then finish the play, and like I was breaking it up on it, right? Just habit ten times, right? So we were out there, and it was kind of like a two minute drill, and the play was never going to Thurman. Or he or he run a hitch or a slant. So he, you know, he'd been doing a slant. So I'd backpedal, act like I was Dion break on it, and, you know, act like I intercepted. Well, he must have got hip to it or something. They must have seen me on like tape. Well, he ran. <laughs> <laughs> he came, ran the slant. I bit on it. He ran the slant and like go yeah. or like you know to the back sluggo. of the court. Uh, right? Hit you with the sluggo. Yeah, hit me with the sluggo. <laughs> And, you know, I said, oh, you know what, and ran back there and tried to get a recover. He didn't get the pass, right? But Squatty talked more junk. That's what we used to call him, Squatty. Talked mm. more junk than anybody. And he's like, yeah, you little rookie. He's like, I taught you, you know what, a lesson. I got you. Yeah, I got and, you. And I never forgot that. And um, 
It was, I mean, so we had good times, man. I mean, we had good times in Buffalo, man. I mean, it wasn't nothing to do but to hang out. Because all them cats in the off season, it was always like we'd come back, at, you know, after the off season, and you'd be like, oh, yeah. It'd be like Jay Remus. Oh, yeah, my wife's pregnant again. Yeah, from yeah. wherever oh, you, you were. From you, wherever you were, because you were not hanging out in Buffalo. Well, this, those dudes did, yeah. and they were snowed in half the time. Because I'd yeah. be back in, you know, yeah, Arizona it. or something. Yeah. I'd be like, Lake Effect snow in Buffalo, 36 inches. And them cats are snowed in. Man, who knows what. look, it's this. Look, that's good stuff. All of that's good stuff. We will close out old school on a Friday. Uh, yeah, it's been good. I, I, I really think that uh, tomorrow's going to be fun. You see the young Huskers do their thing, chance to bounce back. So, oh, they, they definitely going to be focused. Um, Indiana's going to be tough playing on the road. Mike Woodson, he's old school, so you know they're going to be physical. Um, but it's a good learning lesson. They just need to finish. And, um, you know, obviously they were, you know, obviously down some guys, and I think it hurt them more. The way NC State, in my opinion, plays, the, the the guys that they lost didn't hurt as much as the guys Nebraska lost, okay. especially when you go into three or four overtimes. Now, you have three, you had two times, you get two or three chances to end it. In the game, you got to end it because the more you let them hang out, they just had a little bit Man, more that gas. Ball, that ball was, was – 48% in the hoop. The free throw? Yeah. Yeah, the free throw. And rolled out. Well, first it was the, the missed call, which is you don't want to ever like, – I know, I know for me when I played basketball, or even as when I watch football games or watch basketball games, you don't want the ref to make those calls, You just especially if the game's tied. Right. But when it's that blatant, you got to call you it. You got to call it. You would actually call it and go over to the defender and say, I don't want to make them call, but I have to make that call. I have to. And right. the, the fact that they didn't have that discussion is what upset me. Right. We'll throw it a break. Last segment of Old School coming up right next. You're listening to Old School with DP and J. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.